Amen? We are all called to be missionaries, and God wants each and every one of us to realize the field in which he's placed us is the field that he's called us to be a missionary in. It's not just about just going overseas. As I said last weekend, uh, sometimes it's not about going overseas. Sometimes it's about going across the street and going to that place where God has put you so that you can be that missionary. Um, I want to share with you today, again, out of, out of Luke chapter 5, and, and I, I told the service earlier, I, God kind of took this in a different direction as I, what I was planning on. There are some things that I want to share with you, and, and I'll, I'll get to some of those next week, but I, I wanted to go a little deeper into a couple of things this week so that we could understand why this story is so important to us. No matter where we are, we have to understand that God wants to speak to us and speak to our hearts. Are we ready to hear from him? See, the question is, is really, do, do we want to hear? Oh, I've had lots of conversations with my kids where I've talked to them, but they were not hearing because they didn't want to. And, and there's a lot of times that we think that, oh, we've got to go through the obligation of this. But listen, I hope that you'll open up your ears to hear what God wants to say to you today. He has something he wants to speak to your heart. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God still speaks? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still brings light? Do you believe that the Scripture is truly the very Word of God? Then God has something He wants to speak to us today. And I pray that you'll allow Him to do that. So let's just let's dive into this and I'll, I'll share what I want to share with you. In Luke chapter 5, and there's some notes in the app. You can open that up or you can follow along with us here. Starting in verse 27. It says, after this, and again, I, 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 after this, after all that Jesus had been doing, he had healed lepers, he had uh, healed the paralytic, he had preached and taught, and he had done amazing and wonderful things. And after this, it says, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And so what we see here is Jesus, God himself, coming to this earth. And he comes into this earth in a lot of different offices. But one of those in the flesh is he comes as a missionary. He left where he was to come to us. He left his own culture to come into ours. He left his own, the, 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 the crowd in which he was in to come into the crowd in which you and I are. He came to you and to me, and he came as a missionary. And this is vitally important because he came to us. He came to bring a message to us. He came to bring himself to us. And in that same way that he, caught, that he came as a missionary, as the example that he gave, you and I need to understand that we, in that same vein, are called to be missionaries as well. You are called to be a missionary. This is what he, he saved you, what? So that you could go make disciples, so that you could go be a missionary in a world that desperately needs you. Well, sometimes we get these perceptions of what that means and what that requires and what it doesn't require. And we skip over the reality of, of Jesus as our example. Jesus came as a missionary. And then he called you and I to be missionaries. Well, we are called to be good missionaries, like Jesus. And therefore, we do it like Jesus did. He is this example. That's why he came in the flesh, to be an example for us. And so, how do we do that? I talked about that last week. How do we be a good missionary like Jesus? One is we follow Jesus. Listen, if you're not following Jesus, you're never going to be able to be a missionary for him. You're going in a different place, going in a different direction. He says, come follow me. Have you responded to those words in your life? Come follow me. I'm not talking about a mental assent or a mental acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is God. I'm talking at a point where we hear his voice calling us and we say, yes, Lord, and we respond by following him. Big difference between what so many in religious circles believe compared to what the scripture calls us to. Let's, let's just do this. Let's choose to align with scripture. And so the second thing then, and, and you may again find this surprising, but the second thing that he, if, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to go out and start yourself a group. Because again, this is exactly what, you, what Levi does. 
Levi says, okay, and he follows Jesus. The first thing he does, he starts a group. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then too bad. That's what he's called you to. You, gotta be, you need to realize that this isn't about you. This is about the call of God on your life. And are we going to answer the call or not? That's what it really comes down to. But this is what Levi does. Look at what, in verse 29, it says, so uh, he calls him to follow him. Levi gets up from his booth, and verse 29 says, and Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. So we talked about all that last week. You can go back and listen to the sermon. That's as far back as I'm going to go with that because I want to get into this next part because this next part is so extremely important to all of us. And that next point, number three, is repentance. Are we walking in repentance? Did we begin in repentance? Did we continue in repentance? And will we end in repentance? For all sorts of things. You know, so I, I, the, the, again, there was a call to repentance in all of this. And listen to what it says in verse 30. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at, Jesus, at, at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And that is what it is all about. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that there's life in your word. I thank you that there's forgiveness in your word. I thank you, Lord God, that you have supplied and met each and every need through your word in our lives. And I pray that today, Lord, we would receive that as life to us, that we would receive what you have to say and let the Spirit bring revelation, Lord. Let these not just be words that are dead on a page, but let them bring life to my spirit, life to my soul. God, do what only you can in this day. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this, you know, again, this is a call to repentance, and this is what's going on. So Jesus goes, and Jesus, he, he pursues Levi. Remember, Jesus went to Levi. Levi wasn't calling out to him. Levi wasn't even searching for him. Levi was, he, Jesus just went to Levi, and Le, he pursues after him. And Levi does this crazy thing. He follows Jesus. Now, in that moment, that had to look like, what a dumb thing to do. Oh, we believe in Jesus and stuff, but man, to walk away, no, 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 that was not the brightest thing to do. Well, then the next thing that Levi does, he goes, he follows Jesus, and the next thing he does is he goes and he gets every, every weirdo, every freak, every nut job that he can find. He goes and he finds the crazy people. I, I, I'm just trying to vision this crowd that he's got, these tax collectors and sinners. I mean, there's probably, you know, the, the girls with the tall glass heels. There's probably, some, I mean, that guy smells like, he smells like pot. He goes and he finds every outcast, every strange person, every weird person, every misfit, every outcast. I, I was thinking about the crowd and I thought, wow, that probably looked a lot like one of the episodes on Celebrity Rehab. It was just... <clears throat> Listen, those people at Levi's house, they definitely were not going to church. But they did go to Levi's house. Listen, there's a lot of people out there in your circle of influence that they'll feel a whole lot more comfortable going to your house than they ever will coming to church. So instead of trying to drag them to church, why don't you invite them to your house and have church? Go have them to your, have them to your house and be the church. One day they'll come with you. But until then, you go minister to them. You go, you go pastor them in that place and in that time. Because there's a lot of people that aren't going to darken the doors of that. Listen, there's a lot of people that won't darken the doors to this church until they darken the doors to your house. Amen. Will we be a missionary? Will we reach out? Will we invite? So in, in this whole story, you know, these religious people, the fair, they, they, he calls them the scribes and the Pharisees. They look around and what they, they start criticizing. What, start, 
what's Jesus doing? What, what in the world? What's this guy doing? And I, I gave this warning earlier, but I'll give this warning to you as well. Beware of anybody that tries to tell you to do things to make you holier than Jesus. Look at, don't, don't do that. There's nobody holier than Jesus. Amen. Nobody. But sometimes religious people want to add things to the word to make you feel like or to look like you're holier than Jesus is. Don't give in to that. That's what these religious people are doing. They're coming and they're wanting these disciples of Jesus to be holier. Don't go where Jesus is going. Don't do what Jesus is doing. Come out of that. In essence, be holier than Jesus. Be careful about that. And, and I, again, in thinking about all this, and this is kind of where my message this week kind of took a, a turn, and I'm, I, I haven't gotten a lot of feedback from first service, so I, I'm not sure if it made sense or not, but I'm sure hoping that, that this will all come together and share what I feel God's laid on my heart through these words. So he's talking here about the scribes and the Pharisees. And we will have to talk about these guys quite a bit as we go through Luke because Luke talks about the scribes and the Pharisees a lot. And what's crazy is that as you read through the scriptures, especially the gospels, and you hear about the scribes and the Pharisees, it, it just it's weird that they continually come across as the enemies of God, the enemies of Jesus. How did they get there? I think we need to dig into some of that so that we can understand this story in a little bit deeper way. So looking at the scribes, the scribes were the professional theologians. They were the, they were the guys that had the formal training. They were the guys who had gone to seminary. They were the guys who, had, who were educated. They memorized the books of the Bible. These were the guys who knew. These were, these were the geeks for God. And, and this is what they were. These were the serious guys. These were the guys who knew what they were doing. And they loved to make rules. They loved to make lists. They loved to get people to do what they were supposed to do. And so they would impose their will. They would impose their rules on the people that were around them because that's what a holy man is supposed to do. And then they would impose these rules. And as the people, as the people then submitted to those rules, they were being good, holy people. And he was helping them. That's what this guy was doing. They were serious. And these are the scribes. And then there's these two groups that are described here. And the second one are the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were uh, the they were more of the working class kind of religious person. They weren't formally trained. They didn't have this theological education like the scribes had. And these were guys that were forming groups of people. And inside these groups, they were very zealous. They were out there being devoted. They were very motivated for their scribe. That was, that was what we submitted ourselves to, is the scribe. And so these scribes, in an effort to exert their authority, would add their own little rules and own little places to the scripture. And then they would impose their own little rules onto these people and bring them to not just live by scripture, but to also then, if you really want to be holy, to live by the traditions of the scribe. And again, I'm sure you've probably heard that statement before because this was a big thing the, the the traditions that were passed down orally and the scribes were guys who did that and so after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD these religious people became the they became the biggest voice they became the biggest voice in the whole Jewish community but they missed Jesus they they totally missed him in all of this stuff. And you know, how could they do that? How could they miss him? And, and that's why I think it's important that we go through what I want to share with you today because these guys missed him. Not, not all of them. You know, some of them had, had come to love Jesus, but the majority rejected Jesus. Isn't that funny that the majority of the religious people rejected him? So, so going through this whole process where the, with the scribes and then the Pharisees. So a Pharisee 
would choose a scribe. You know, the scribe was this guy. He was lifted up. He was this high holy man. And the, scri- they, the Pharisee would choose a scribe. And they would want that scribe to be their teacher. And so what the Pharisee would do, or as they wanted to be a Pharisee, they would go to the scribe and they would ask him, may I follow you? That was the way in which they approached that. And they wanted, because they wanted to follow him, because they wanted that scribe to be their teacher. Will you, can I follow you, and will you be my teacher? And the higher accolades that this guy had, I mean, some of these scribes in that day and age were kind of like rock stars. These are the guys that were like the who's who of everything. These scribes had you know, all the Facebook followers and Twitter followers and all these things like that that were there. And those kind of scribes, they had a long list of people that wanted to be a part of their community, a part of their teaching. And because their communities were closed communities, they didn't allow just anybody in. They only allowed in those that they had accepted. And those who came into their their community would then be taught by that scribe. They would be led by that scribe. And that was where they would get their idea identity by being praised by that scribe. And in order to become a follower, you had to almost go through this application process. And so I want to be with so-and-so. And so if you really wanted to be with a scribe, you or your parents would start to give money to that scribe so that you could begin to purchase some influence, beginning to give him some money. And those scribes in that day got very, very rich especially the popular ones, especially the ones who had a lot of followers because, you know, again, he could pick the wealthiest to follow him. And so they would pay a lot of money and the scribes got very rich and then they would, have, they would serve the scribe trying to purchase or buy or earn his favor. And those scribes became, they became spoiled and they became soft spiritual leaders that were influenced by the things that were going on around them. Everybody taking care of them. Everybody moving over to give them the best seat wherever they went to eat. Everybody meeting every need they had. Praising them. Giving them money. Giving them time. Listening to what they said. Thinking that they're speaking on behalf of God. Where the scribe had this authority in the community that was really almost equal to scripture. If not equal to what the scriptures had to say. And when a scribe declared something, when a scribe declared something to be law, you had to obey it. You better obey it. Otherwise, the other people in your community that were amongst the Pharisees on your team, the other people in that community would shame you and they would scorn you and they would kick you out and they would come against you. So you can imagine that inside of these Scribes and Pharisees' communities, there was a lot of fear and a lot of control and a lot of intimidation, which is always the case with religion. That's the way in which the, the religion wants to run us, is not by grace, but more by fear. And so what you really wanted, if you were a Pharisee that was sitting under a scribe, what you really wanted ultimately was for your kids to be accepted by that scribe and for your kids to get trained by that scribe. I mean, it was almost like, uh, like being accepted to you know, a, a prestigious college or being accepted in some sort of you know, exclusive prep club or prep school or something along those lines. But your kids, you wanted your kids under that scribe because, man, if your kids got under that scribe, boy, they had it made. Man, if your kid could be a part of that scribe's school, wow, man, oh, man, they were, they were going to be respected. They were going to be accepted. Their earning potential just went up through the roof being a part of this scribe's school. And there was this, this pride amongst the scribes and the Pharisees and the followers in their community. And there was all sorts of this going on. And, and, you know, again, you know, we put bumper stickers on our car, you know, proud honor roll student of so-and-so. I mean, these guys were in that same way, but they were just like proud, proud member of, you know, Rabbi Gamaliel's school of scribery, (laughs) whatever it was called. But I mean, this kind of thing, this was a big deal. This was something that they looked forward to. This is something that they strove for. And imagine all of the 
social pressure to get your kids in the right school under the right scribe. You've got to get your kid under the right scribe. And so in order to do that, they're paying money. They're doing favors. They're, they're, they're serving this guy, trying to earn a place in, stroking his ego, because that's what's going to gain religious favor. That's what's going to get you into the religious good standings. And man, if you got your kid under this guy, this particular scribe, yeah, it was going to cost you. You know, they were required to continue to pay a, a certain amount or whatever they had decided that would be given. They would have to continue to pay. But you know what's crazy is that they would then call for your kids to swear allegiance to the scribe. And they would call the children to swear allegiance to the scribe that, that was second only to their allegiance to God. Meaning that children who came into a scribe's school had to sign off an allegiance to that scribe where that scribe had greater authority in their life than their parents did. They had to give that up. Like Jesus, I just think it was almost like you know, he became a, a false mediator, a false Jesus in their life where he would speak to God and they would speak to the scribe and the scribe would speak to God and God would speak to the scribe and the scribe would speak to the kid. And this whole thing, I mean, he told you what to do. He, he tells you what God says, and then you had to do it. It was in this position of a, a false functioning Savior or Christ, Messiah, and he would fill that place. And listen, this is dangerous. There, it's wrought with abuse and all sorts of, of things that honestly have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Scripture, but everything to do with human nature. And these kids would follow these scribes and they would do everything they said. They would listen to every word. They would write down everything that he had said. In fact, you probably have heard the term, the dust of the rabbi. Well, these, these rabbis would walk and these, these kids that were following them, the adults down to the kids that were following them, they would walk on these dusty trails following after, the scri after their, their scribe and the dust would be kicked up and the dust would get on those who were behind him. And that's why the question would then be asked, the dust of whose rabbi is on you? That's the way they would ask, who's your rabbi? Who are you following? And the closer you got, the closer you were in following after that rabbi, the more dust you got on you. So the closer you were, the more dust you carried. It was this kind of thing. And these kids would then obviously begin to compete. Can't you imagine what was going on in that? I want to be closer. No, I want to be closer. I want, who, at this place, who's going to memorize the most Hebrew? Who, who's going to memorize the Torah first? Who's going who's gonna to pass all these oral exams and who's going to pass all these tests and who's going to fit in the best and who's going to gain the favor of this man? Who's going to be able to follow in his ways and not sway, not forget any of the rules? Who's going to be perfect in this? Who's going to be strictly and completely obedient to the rules of the Pharisee so that maybe, just maybe, someday, if you do a really, really good job of following after the Pharisee, maybe then, maybe, God will love you. And God will embrace you, and God will accept you. Church, it is corrupt worldly religion at the very core. And the sad thing is that in everything, even Christianity has some form of this sickness. It's our human nature. And he gives us these stories to fight against that. And so what would happen is you got your kid or you got into the right rabbi and you paid enough money and you served well enough and that scribe accepted you and your child worked really, really hard and they could pass all of their classes. Then they could become a religious leader which would become an honored position in society. And then maybe when they got to be 40 years old, because that was the requirement, you had to be 40 years old, then maybe if your kid followed all the rules, then maybe your kid could become a scribe. Oh, to be in that position of authority like that. You know what that meant? That meant that your kid could now write books and people would read them and they could give lectures and people would come and they would hear if they could open up their own school they could take their own students they could make a lot of money they could be very powerful and then they could take care of you in your old age 
hey, I can see there's a lot of, a lot of benefit to having your kid be a scribe. Come on, I don't, I don't mind that. <laughs> but church, what would happen is these people would begin to form their own community. And, and they'd begin to draw people together, the children and the adults. They would come into this community of the Pharisee, which, again, was a closed community. And to get into that community, you had to apply. You had to earn it. You had to give generously. You had to work hard enough. It, these, the, the community of the Pharisee is not a grace-centered community where everybody's welcome. It was a place, not where you could come that was for free, where you didn't have to earn anything. It's not like when you met Jesus. It's not when, like when the Holy Spirit came to live in you, where you were freely accepted. It was all by grace, not by works that you received from him. It was a place where you don't serve because you have to. You're in a place where you serve because God's loved you. You're here because God has called you here. Not so that God will love you, but because he already has loved you. It is a completely different motivation. And church, one of the biggest honors of all of this, and this is kind of, let me pull this together as to why I'm sharing all this with you. One of the big honors to this was that once you were accepted into these closed communities of the Pharisees, that meant that now you and your family all got to eat together with the other families and the other Pharisees and even once in a while with the scribe to break bread together. You got to eat together. And the scribes would walk into the meal and the scribe would, I mean, everybody would give him the best seat in the whole place and they would be, here's the holy man. The holy man is here. We all feel so much closer to God now because the holy man is here. And the holy man, he's gonna speak to us and he's gonna share his rules with us so that we can obey those things. And if we obey the things that he has to say, then we will be in good standing with God. Only then, and in, only in those situations would you eat together. And, and again, you would only do that in this friendly community that you were a part of with the other Pharisees that were on your team or in your tribe. You wouldn't even eat with Pharisees from other schools. It was like, it was like for us, you know what? We can't eat with people from other denominations. We can't, you can't eat with people from other denominations. They don't have the same beliefs as you. You can't do that. You, don't you realize if you eat with them, it might rub off on you. You can't, you can't do that. You can only eat with the people that are in your place, in your community. There would be this back and forth where you can't do that because your scribe, you know what, your scribe has different thoughts than my scribe and your scribe has made different rules than my scribe has and my scribe's better than your scribe. Your scribe can't hold a candle to my scribe. My scribe's better than your scribe. <laughs> All this back and forth. Again, you, you would only eat with the people that you were friendly with in your own little community. And then, again, you had to undergo a lot of testing. There was a lot of things you had to do. It could take a month, sometimes up to a year, to be allowed into that community. And only then, only then, could you live near these people? Could you have a dwelling place that was in that place of community? Only then could you eat with those people. Only then could you be friends with those people. And when you were in this community, this was a good thing because now your kids could could intermarry with those and only those who were in your community. Because listen, we got to do something to keep the spiritual bloodline pure. Church, they would have to stand with those who had the same beliefs because they wanted to stay pure to not just what was in the Bible, but you had to stay pure to what your scribes said. And again, isn't it a natural tendency that sometimes people just want to go beyond the word of God to add rules so that we can feel like we're holier than what we really are? And people do that. We add all sorts of rules to this stuff. Let me just say this, that I don't care what the reasoning is, if it's an attempt to be holier or if it's an attempt to not have to do something you don't want to do, I don't care what it is. But when you take away or when you add to the word of God, you are straying from the path of God. You are straying away from God and you are being deceived. You are being demonic. I know it's harsh, but the Bible is very clear. Do not add and do not take away. 
from anything that God has spoken in Scripture. And the further you move, the further away you get, the more deceived you become, the more demonically influenced you set yourself up for, and the more religious you inevitably will become. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's tough, especially when we come from, you know, communities that are filled with religiosity. But what, what, what is those, so coming back to this point here, what, what's all this here for? Go back to the story. What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing in, in Luke chapter 5? Jesus, he's going to Levi's house. Again, I, I set all that and set all that up because I want you to see, he's going to Levi's house. And this is blowing people's minds. This is like, whoa, wait a minute. These religious people are having a religious cow. This is, this is crazy. What is he doing? Because listen, remember, they saw Jesus as a religious leader. They called Jesus rabbi. They called him teacher. Which again, I, I, I shared all that with you so that it would all come to relate. They considered Jesus not to be a scribe, but they did consider Jesus to be like a scribe. Jesus was a bit of a rock star in that time. Think about what was going on. He, I mean, he is filling, he's packing houses. He is filling up venues wherever he goes. Jesus, I mean, throughout this entire Galilean region, he is filling up the synagogues. And, and not only, usually people from these little towns would go to Jerusalem and they would go to see the holy people there. And Jesus has the people from Jerusalem coming to see him in these little tiny synagogues and to hear what he's saying and to hear what's going on. People are coming out and flocking to Jesus. Jesus could have chosen the most amazing school of the Pharisees that he could have wanted to. He could have chose anyone he wanted. Jesus, think about it. Jesus had this following and people were following after him. He could have picked all the wealthiest kids. He could have picked all the kids with high IQs. He could have picked the smartest of the smart. He could have chosen them to be those who he chose. He could have, he could have started up just like the other scribes did. He could have started up a, a, a kind of an application process and application fees and started to take payments and started to expect uh, to take these basically bribes, monthly fees, lots and lots of money. Jesus could have never had to work again. Instead of having nowhere to lay his head, Jesus could have had a sweet house. He could have had a vacation crib down by the Jordan River. He could have had a sweet cabin up in the mountains on Mount Horeb. He, he, could have, he could have had all sorts of things that money could buy. Everybody wanted to be on his team. Think about why were the scribes and the Pharisees all coming to him to begin with? They were all coming to him and wondering, well, should I be on his team? Wait a minute, maybe, should we be on Team Jesus? Because you know what? It seems like there's a lot of money and influence to be had here. I mean, he's cleansing lepers. He's raising up the paralytic. He's healing the sick. He's preaching with power and authority. Hey, this marketing scam would be easy money. We could rake it in. And they're looking at this. Should we join him? So Jesus could have picked anyone for his disciple. He could have picked anyone he wanted to follow after Jesus. Jesus could go to any one of these communities that he wanted to go to. Jesus could go to any one of those houses that he wanted to go to. Jesus could go to any one of these places and have a sacred meal with anybody that he wanted. And who does he pick? Levi. I mean, this is the most unlikely of the most unlikely. He picks Levi. Are you kidding? Levi? Levi. Nobody picks Levi. Nobody picks him. And Jesus picks Levi to be his disciple. And then... See, think of how happy this made all the others. He, Jesus goes and he picks Levi, the tax collector. 
And he brings him into a core of leadership in Jesus' group, his disciples. And he brings Levi in and joins him with Peter, James, and John. Now, all of these guys are from the same area, the same region anyway. They probably knew each other. They probably did not like each other. Think about that. James, Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen. They had a fisherman. They had a fishing business. Levi was a tax collector. I'm sure they probably had some not-so-fun confrontations before. I mean, the businessman and the tax collector, it probably wasn't all just, you know, fun and games while they were all getting together as these disciples. And this is who Jesus picked Come on, Jesus. I mean, even the disciples would have had questioned that. I know you're God, but you really miss this one. <laughs> and, and, and then he doesn't, Jesus doesn't go to Levi and say, Levi, you know what? Come on over here. I need to have a real quiet conversation with you. He doesn't call him into some, you know, quiet place. He stands up in the middle of the crowd. Jesus goes over to where the tax collector booth and says, Levi, come follow me. The other guys are like, that's the same thing he said to us. Right out there, right out there, right out there in front of God and everybody. I was trying to just think of a simple illustration. It's like, you know, going to, one of the, going to a really popular strip club and there's long lines of people and the bouncer at the door and you walk up to the bouncer and say, hey, come do ministry with me. What? Right here in front of everybody? Yeah, come on. And Jesus calls this guy, and he calls him to come follow me right in front of everybody. This guy is the lowest of the low. He goes to this tax collector's booth, and what does he He picks the most disgusting guy you can pick. This guy's a jerk. Nobody likes him. Nobody cares for him. And, and I love this, because, you know, what do they say? The scribes and the Pharisees? Oh, they start grumbling and moaning and complaining. Oh, I can't believe what did. Kind of like some of you do when you get in your car after Pastor Mark's sermon. <laughs> I can't believe he said that. I can't. I don't. I can't believe he talked that way. about. Don't take the time to compare to Scripture is what I'm saying, right or not, which I tell you all the time. That's what you need to be doing. But that just rubbed me wrong. So we start complaining and start whining. This is what these guys are doing. And you know they weren't there because those guys, they would never be caught dead having a meal like that at a place like that with people like that. Ugh. No way. So... How did they know what was going on? I, I, I think they were like, they were like scribe stalkers. You know, they were, <laughs> were they peering in the windows, you know, just kind of seeing what they can see. I honestly, I think they were probably down the street, kind of watching, you know, looking. Who's, who's walking down the street? Who's coming to, who's going to Levi's house? You got did you guys see? Did you guys see that? that there's, there's all kinds of girls in booty shorts. And, and there's men wearing high heels. Oh, what, what are they doing? That, that guy's smoking a joint. What, what's going on down? That, guy, I, that guy's got a 45. He's got, they're thugs. They got neck tattoos. What is going on down there? What kind of people is he bringing into this place? What's going on? They don't understand. They don't like it. Oh, but they're watching. They're watching. You know what I think they were really questioning in all that? I think they were offended. And I think they were sitting back going, why doesn't Jesus want to eat with us? 
Why, why won't he come eat with us? And then I'm sure, just like many of us do, there was probably from the scribes and the Pharisees this comment. You know what Jesus should do? Oh, come on, how many of us have done that? You know what Jesus should do? He should put himself under our scribe so that he could learn our ways and he could learn what our scribe has to say. And then one day when he, Jesus when he gets done with his training here, Jesus could become a scribe. It would have to be in another you know, seven years or so because he's not old enough yet. But one day he could become a scribe and then he could have that kind of influence and he could have that kind of... And, the, and so what do they say? It says in verse 3, it says, why do you eat and drink? with tax collectors and sinners. I mean, there's a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners that are there at this exuberant feast. And, is a, and again, that is a junk drawer term. It includes all sorts of stuff. What that meant was at that party that day, church, there was probably, there was probably some guys with track marks in their arms that showed up at Levi's house. And there were probably some single moms that were trying to make it through rehab. And there was probably, you know what? Hey, that kid got caught selling joints at the junior high last week. Hey, you know what? That guy, he's married and he knocked up his girlfriend. You know what? That guy, he, that dad, he really likes Jack Daniels and strippers. And they were all together, all the tax collectors and the sinners. What in the world are these people doing with Jesus? What is Jesus doing having dinner with them? And isn't it amazing who Jesus picks? Isn't it amazing? And again, I want you to understand that I say this all the time, but Jesus it was not a man. Jesus is God that became a man. So when I say, isn't it amazing what Jesus picks? I'm saying, isn't it amazing who God picks? Amen. Hey, this is, this is what's so amazing. But like those, as I said, it wants to creep in. That, that whole religious thing, it wants to creep in. And so we, we as Christians, sometimes it becomes easy when, we're, when we refuse to hear, you know, the scriptural truth of things. We, we think, you know what? God picked me. I must be special. No, 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 no. God is special. Again, you may be special, but not the way you may be thinking. <laughs> Listen, and worship team, would you come back up, please? As Christians, this is what we're told. And, and listen to this and hear this scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. It says this. But God, come on, say that. Say, but God. But God chose what is foolish. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low. God chose what is despised in this world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Listen, church, God picks nobodies and makes somebodies because he loves everybody's. And I want to tell you, that is my story. Amen. God chose a fool and said, come follow me. God came to this 
person that was completely weak and unable to control himself in any way, shape, or form, totally given over to sin. God chose this person who was weak, and he said, Mark, come follow me. He chose this person that was low at the bottom of my, I couldn't believe the things that God had raised me up out of from the lowest of the lowest of the lowest places, despised by people that were around me, despised even by my family. And God came into my life at a moment. He came to me. I wasn't even seeking and searching for him at that moment. I was just empty, and I knew it. I knew that I was lost. I knew that I was a fool, except I didn't want to admit it. And God came into my life in these moments, and, and honestly, he didn't catch me on a time when I was going well and I was on a high caught me when I was at the lowest of the lowest of the lowest places that my life could have sank to. And he came to me and he said, Mark, come follow me. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Would I walk away from everything and come follow him? And I made a decision in that moment to say, yes, Lord, where else can I go? I'm at the bottom of where I could be. And God extended me a hand of grace. He wasn't picking on me. He didn't want to spank me like my earthly father might. He, he was extending a hand of grace to me in that moment. And he said, come follow me. And I said, yes. I said, yes. And from that day forward, I have followed him. Oh, completely, you know, not in any way of perfection, I promise you that. I've got my daily things in which I have to repent. That I have to repent. I have to repent for my sin. I have to repent for my thoughts. I have to repent for my religiosity. I have to repent from, it's a daily battle to repent. Listen, I don't follow God perfectly. I just submit myself to follow a perfect God. And I don't get what I deserve. And I'm so thankful that I don't get what I deserve. Because what I deserve is the cross. And what I get is grace. And I am not talking right now about a point of mental ascent where we say, oh yeah, I believe. I'm talking about saying, yes, Lord, in repentance. And I turn away from that lifestyle to follow after you. I say, yes, Lord, I will leave these things behind and I am going to follow you. I'm not talking about mental ascent that says, oh yeah, I believe there's a God. But we don't follow him. He says, come, follow me. And what? And I will make you fishers of men. I will make you a missionary. Will we say yes, Lord? Look, this isn't about how long you've been coming to church. This is about you looking at the fruit of your life, the fruit of your lifestyle, and saying, am I following Christ? or not and that is not my decision to make for you that is yours to make because I guarantee you over the years there was a lot of times when people would have looked at me and looked at my life and said ah, that guy's not following Christ no you know what I just got off path but my God is a God of grace who brought me back Yep, I walked through some rough consequences because of that. But my God is a God who brought me back on path. A God who brought forgiveness in my repentance. A God who brought grace when I really deserved punishment. I really deserved destruction. And God gave me life. And he loves me so much that not just life, he gave me life more abundantly. Listen, you may not look at my life and think that I'm walking in the abundant life, but I tell you what, I am living a life I never dreamed I could live, not because of what I have, but because of the one who has me, because of the blessings that he's poured out in a family that loves him and serves him, the things that he has done in my life. I, can't, I couldn't ask for a better life. And that's not because of me. When it was in my hands, I screwed it all up. In his hands, 
all things are possible. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your grace in this place. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would be lifted up in the lives of those today that need you, those who are calling out to you. Lord, I pray today that you would extend your hand. I pray today, Lord God, that they would hear your voice, a voice calling out in this moment, come, follow me, come, follow me. Is he speaking to you today? That first step is to say, yes, Lord. Jesus, I will follow you. Don't get caught up in the religiosity of it. Repent of that part of it. Say, yes, Lord. Because if you hear his voice, then he's extending his hand to you. And you do not have the promise that you will hear that voice or see that hand again. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of repentance. This is the day to turn to him because we're not promised tomorrow. If you've never experienced God's grace in your life, just say, yes, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I just say, yes, Lord, I hear you. And for those of you prodigals who have wandered, gotten off the path, find yourself today in the pig pen of life. The Father stands at that end of that dusty trail, not as a religious leader, but as a loving Father who says, come home, my son, come home, my daughter. Will we stay content in the pig pen or will we get up and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Is that you today? If that's you today, just, just, just hold up your hand. Just see yourself right now taking hold of God's hand and saying yes, Lord, to him. Come on, is that you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just take hold of his hand today. Come on, he is calling you home. He is calling you son. He's calling you daughter. Oh, God has a community, but in God's community, it's different than what the scribes and Pharisees had because in God's community, it's a family. God, you see the hands and you see the hearts of each and every one in this place today. I pray that, Lord God, by your grace, you would touch their lives and that, God, in this moment, you would pour out your blessings. Let your blessings flow in the name of Jesus. Let your blessings flow. I want you to just to receive this. Listen to the song. And keep him. Make his face shine upon. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you. Yeah.
say yes Lord I will follow you Amen Now listen when we leave here today church is not over church is about to begin so go be the church go be the missionary go be who Jesus Christ saved you to be go out there and open up your home go out there invite people in go out there and find those crowds that normally nobody else would reach go out there and reach those people that are around you and tell the sinner that there's a savior who has blessed and encouraged and given you life and he desires to do the same thing for them go tell them Go tell them about the God that has saved you. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful day today. Go be the church.
gracious to you, the Lord turned.